I like the feeling of squishing the butter with my teeth. I'll call today. You call now. I'll call now. No reason. I just like doing things like that. It was free pizza! Free fucking pizza! Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Here we go. Show started. Pat. Again. Take two. Back, yeah, take two. Uh, we recorded a whole episode, <laughs> and uh, then I realized that uh, it was both mics were inputted into mine. Nobody wants to hear me. Nobody wanted to hear it. So, right. perfect. Second episode, rerun. Pat, how was your weekend, man? Uh, I don't know. It was not really eventful. I did get some sushi, though. Some sushi? Some sushi. Yeah. I don't really like the uh, the salmon or the tuna. Mm-hmm. So what that's do you how like? most of it. Yeah, that's that's that's. So whatever's majority. got shrimp or crab usually. Okay, shrimp always seems like a weird one to me. It doesn't seem like it fits the same like uh, sushi motif. Yeah, I guess not. I just yeah. I, I like you know the toppings. Um, not a big soy sauce guy though. I like the yeah. eel sauce. Uh, I like when they throw some fruity stuff. Like if it had uh, like some mango sauce on it before. That's yeah. what I'm about. I'm all about the sauce. So I like the combination with the seafood taste, but I just don't like salmon or tuna. It's the two f- like fish fishes I'll never eat. What about the wasabi or the ginger? <laughs> like wasabi, don't like ginger. Okay, it's funny that you talk about gingers because I actually was going to talk about gingers here. Uh, it turns out I have the ginger gene. I just found out. Bad news. What? That doesn't even make sense because you're not ginger. Well, I'm not a ginger, but apparently it's a recessive gene. Found this article. Believe all articles you see on the internet, first of all. Apparently. So Did you go secondly, get this tested? How do you know No, no, no. So what it says is that um, I have some red in my beard. If my beard grows out enough, I have some red in my beard. A lot of people do. So what they find is that is a recessive trait that you know, it kind of shows itself in your in your facial hair. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I can imagine you with red hair. Yeah, um, I actually don't know of any of my direct rel- any of my relatives that have red hair, so I find this a little hard to believe. I was always a um, big fan of the red-haired females. Yeah, you always were. Um, Eric Nava, a friend of the show, is also a big fan of that, but he does not like it when it's fake. That would no. be natural red. Absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. want it to be fake either. I no. just wouldn't look ginger. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I carry this trait. If people, uh, any females out there, if, they, if you're looking for red hair babies, it's a possibility with me. Apparently, this go. is a South Park, a South Park uh, fact. don't know if this is true. Uh, Oriental people do not, or I guess, I, I, don't, I, guess, I don't know if they, you know, Asia, people from Asia do not carry the red hair gene at all. I can't say I've seen an Oriental... Man or woman with red I'm hair. I'm in love with the Chinese yeah. chick. Naturally. Um, anybody for, yeah, actually anybody from any part of Asia. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, What about the African-American community? Sinbad. Sinbad has red hair? I think he does. Or maybe he was just the first person to dye his hair red. There's something with him and red hair. I'm sure Fact Dash check Rodman Fact dyed check it red before. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sinbad. Sinbad definitely had red hair before Rodman. Fact check. 90s fact check. Uh, get back to us, uh, Trevor. 
assuming he's going to fact check us. Social media, now he's in charge of fact Yeah, now he's a fact checking. So, uh, yeah, apparently I carry this, this gene, you know, I'm just saying. There you go. But, uh, so, a lot of things, crazy things happened the past week since I recorded, Pat. Huge election. Um, oh, my God. Crazy election. And I know we're all talking about it. Robert Russell won the Kane County coroner. <laughs> that's, what he, uh, defeated, that's what you had to bring up, the coroner yeah, again. He, he defeated Tom Tayo. Tayo? Martinez. What do you say? Are you in Usually Kane say County? Tao. Yeah, Kane County. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Kane County is terrible. <laughs> so Kane you see County the new sugar tax on in Cook County. Yeah. No. Sugared uh, beverages. So like soda has a yeah. special tax now. Oh, Why? Because no. uh, it's a special drink. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That's going to affect the price at restaurants. Yep. It's going to affect the price at bars. Yep. It's going to affect it's mixed drinks. Mixed, mixed drinks, drinks are going up. Mixed drinks. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous uh, how much Ooh. they put a price on. Ooh, Spin Zone, diet drinks, There's no sugar. I feel like they're still Ooh. getting taxed. Ooh, got you, you there, bring Pat. that up. Got you there. You didn't get me. <laughs> I got I'm you. just saying. Got you there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, Robert Russell defeated the Kate, Kate, you know, he won the Kate County Corner, as we all predicted. Uh, that was off the air, off the air prediction. Tom Teo Martinez Goodbye, <laughs> your chances. Uh, so anyway, like we said, it was kind of weird that they elect a coroner, but they do. And uh, so I had to look it up just for Were people protesting in the streets about it. Yeah, we had a, <laughs> we had a lot of people in uh, down um, 31, Route 31 in South Elgin. People were walking down the streets. Uh, you know, they probably could have they were probably just going into different shops and things like that. But, you know, in my mind, they were definitely upset about uh, Tom not winning this. But hey, you know, that's what happens. I guess and so. And that's elections. But fine. Hey, hey, hey. And that's That's what you're sticking elect- with? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm sticking with. Um, there's also the presidential election that happened. Uh, here's the one thing that I've noticed. Uh, we were talking a few weeks ago about how much, how ridiculous the slander commercials are, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, are we so happy those to be done? Those are done. We have. I've not seen any TV commercials like that, right? Correct. Since since the but here's what I've noticed. Here's the modern version of this, which in my mind is just as bad, but just uh, has not been as socially uh, non acceptable as these uh, Facebook articles articles that people post. To me, it is the exact same thing as these slander commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Like, do you, I don't think so. You don't think they're the same thing? No, I don't think I know what you're talking about. Oh, I just see. There's just a ton of articles just bashing one candidate or the other. Now it's less. Now the presidential thing you know now that the election is over with but just um you know anytime somebody's posting one of these things just bashing a candidate to me it's no different than a slander commercial, commercial. which which we all agree is pretty ridiculous it has a good amount of reach i mean, yeah bad that's not that's not what i'm arguing here i, I know they they're effective and spread you know like a lot of people like them especially if it's going along with their cause but i just to me, it's become more socially acceptable to do something like that when commercials aren't as socially acceptable. Our people make fun of them more, but I think it's just time that we It's the same thing it. is what you're saying? It's the same thing. Same yeah, thing. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, hmm. that's where I'm trying to get at, Pat. You don't know nothing about you know, NATO? I don't know that's nothing all about NATO. Um, so, Pat, we're going to get through. We got two guests calling in later in the show, so I wanted to get through some stuff earlier. You were talking about you got some stuff. Uh, first edition, booze news. Booze news. Sweeper to come at a later time. Uh, not really new news. Yeah. 
but since about 2004, I guess, I thought it was recent. Yes. I just started noticing. Since 2004, Jim Beam has had food products. Um, uh, like a pulled pork, right? Is that one of the options? Sort of. So okay. I was at the grocery store, and yep. I picked up Jim Beam brats. Jim Beam brats. You could get about six of them for after tax is about seven bucks. Are you sure you're not confusing it with Jimmy Dean? I'm 100% sure. Okay. Jim Beam okay. bourbon. Okay. So I had them. They're yep. pretty good. Uh, I had a question for you in related to this. What kinds of foods do you recommend cooking in beverages? Not just alcohol, but beverages. And what could be crossing the line? What what foods do you cook in beverages? What do you recommend? Um, are you talking about an example of like when people cook brats in beer? Exactly. That's like what you're talking about? Yeah. Right. I've seen... That's one of the ones I've seen. I've also seen uh, there's a restaurant in St. Charles that's famous for its, I believe it's pork or beef. Uh, one of them, it's like a shredded, it's a shredded pork or shredded beef that's cooked in or- with Sprecher's orange, like dream soda. I don't think I'd like that. It's pretty subtle. It's not overly, just like the, the sounds too when sweet. the beer is, when I'll a brat's cooked the in a beer, it's not like overly, oh, this tastes like, I'll you know, smooth bush light. You know, mm, smooth bush light. <laughs> yeah, good old days. Yeah, so you know what? I, like, it's not. It's not like overly. You know, like you could have the broad to be like, oh yeah, this is a you know, Lennon Kugel's summer shandy. Or yeah, it's it's not overly done. So here's my problem with yeah. this. Why wouldn't you just get your own bottle of Jim Beam, soak some broths in it, and then drink yep. the leftovers? Well, that's taking. I mean, Pat, this is like, why do people buy? Uh, you know sandwiches at grocery stores that are just making their own sandwiches yeah, people why do just, they do it they just take out the one it's because people want to get stuff done fast they're lazy i'm not probably you, cost more yeah it probably it does cost more yeah if you have things if you prepare things yourself you know it's going to cost a lot less than if you have somebody prepare them for you you're paying for the man hours so what would you rather do i mean time is money time is money um, and we only have so much time on this podcast you know so would i have more time for podcast if i just bought those brats instead of soaking them in my own. I don't know, Pat. Did you the brats? You said they were okay. They're okay. Were they better than just a normal brat? I mean, you got a slight taste of booze, which was nice. Okay, so in the future, you here's would, my other question, yeah. really quick. Yeah. How come I don't get ID'd for that? <laughs> because there's not enough alcohol content. You can't but get drunk alcohol. off these. It's still alcohol. You can't get drunk. You can't deny off that. Those. It's still alcohol. You can't buy alcohol before you're 21. Yes. Uh, there's plenty of, like sauces and stuff like this that are cooked with red wine or different things like exactly. that. Exactly. Why um, do you get carded? For it that? gets it gets cooked off by if you were to eat the brat raw. Let's say it was soaked in alcohol. If you eat it raw, maybe you could have some alcohol content in it. But by you cook, it cooks off. It cooks the alcohol off by I the just time think you. If you're you gonna know. put a limit on things, yep. stick to it. Hey, I hear you, man. Yeah, where do you where do you draw the line? Those you know? are my thoughts. You put it in a food and then it's legal, and you don't you know have it in a liquid form. Then you have to get carded. I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, I would say that if it's good enough, how much? How much more expensive were the Jim Bean ones? They're about seven bucks, so you opposed can, to what's a normal brat. I don't know, like four fifty. Oh, so it's for significantly one, for more. Six. Significantly more. Yeah. Um, I would say not worth it then. Yeah, I think it would be cheaper just to have your own bottle. Of, it depends on if you like Jim Bean. You know, like if you're going to well, drink why it. Why are you buying the brats if you don't? That's like a good it. point. That's a good point. So I would say, yeah, do it yourself. Soak them yourself. I don't think they probably cook them in the whiskey, but they probably just uh, insert the flavors. Insert the flavors. Whatever. Inject that means. it. You can inject it. Eek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Booze news. Booze news. Yeah. And then there was some. Uh, I actually had a note. Oh, 
let's before we start going into your uh, your next segment here. The Bears played. We don't talk about this often, or sometimes do, I guess. Um, I thought it was funny though. The Bears threw a pick six. Jake Hiller threw a pick six to your boy, yeah. Chris Conti. This was originally going to be bitch what was it? Yeah, originally. So. Chris Conti was famed on the Chicago Bears for being basically like the reason everybody would basically b- blame Chris Conti for everything. Right. He basically got like laughed out of town to a certain extent. I mean, nobody was a big Chris Conti. Pat was a big fan of him because in the beginning, in the he beginning, had some bad yeah. plays. But he had some really bad plays. The play against the Packers was, you know, yes. that's what I remember. And then uh, the former Chicago Bears coach, Levy Smith, goes to Tampa Bay. He brings a bunch of former uh, Bears players with him. One of them being Chris Conti. Lovey Smith ends up leaving. Chris Conti apparently was still on the team. Bears play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Got Jay wrecked. Cutler got wrecked. It was a horrible game. Jay Cutler throws a pick. It ends up being a pick six. They run it back for a touchdown. It's Chris Conti that does it. Kind of just kind of like a. Uh, it's just like a kick in the ball. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, you got rid of me. Here's what I'm gonna do to you. You guys suck. Right. And it's not yeah. even like we got rid of him for a good reason. Or, no. I mean, it's not like you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. not like we d- he did a phenomenal job, and they just didn't want to pay him. It wasn't yeah. like that. No, like it he wasn't. didn't perform exactly. He was he was doing really bad, and then he goes and gets a pick. I don't know how many pick sixes he has in his career. Probably not hardly <laughs> any. You know, but this was uh, I definitely don't remember him doing any with the Bears. But he has to be a lot of people's like <clears throat> most recently hated player. Definitely on the team. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate him as much as a trader like Julius Peppers. Yes. But I, just, I don't appreciate him anymore. Yeah. Um, then today, Alshon Jeffrey got caught with uh, performance-enhancing drugs. He's out for four weeks. Is that what they were talking about yeah. on the radio? Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so, interesting top Like, uh, PDs are interesting. There's a really good documentary called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Everybody should check out. It's an interesting take on – it's not like a one-sided, like, oh, steroids are bad or steroids are good it's kind of just like really good in the middle like showing positives and negatives of kind of the whole thing that's my recommendation as far as steroids go as far as information about steroids just go. don't take them <laughs> but uh so anyway that was uh interesting that it I, so, I heard on the radio he said he should have done more research before taking whatever he took it's like why are you taking something yeah i feel like uh these guys have so many nutritionists and trainers they could easily be like hey should i take this and they would be like no you, like people know the rules around it. There's no way he just like got tricked into taking something. You know, it's garbage. I yeah. don't believe it. It is garbage. Yeah. Just gotta keep chasing the pump. I, this, somebody sent me a soundbite, Pat, and it was Kirk Cousins saying something. Did you want to? Do you want to talk about Kirk Cousins here? This bitch what? I said bitch. Bitch what? Bitch 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins, one of the famous. Uh, you like that? You like that? That's right. You like that? I actually did like that. Yeah, he did like I that. Did like that. So tell us what happened Walking here with Kirk in Cousins. Walking the locker room. Yeah. Ooh wee. That's the new catchphrase. Ooh wee. Ooh wee. Now what does that mean? Uh, the first time I had ever heard ooh wee was a segment that uh, Keenan Thompson and Andy Samberg did on SNL. And it was called, um, so it was like some house party DJ, something like that. And they used to always go, ooh-wee, T-Shane. And yeah, but they a had guy, a second part on it. It wasn't just yeah. ooh-wee. It was not just ooh-wee, yeah. So how is that a catchphrase, number one? It's not um, like two actual words. Kirk it's, Cousins is a weird guy. I guess so. To me, that sounds, okay, 
Here's my take on it. Yeah. You like you that, like that. You like that. kind of was like a fist pump catchphrase. It was like, yes. we just won the game, yep. accomplished our goal, now we're pumped. Yep. You, you like, like that, that, we like that. <laughs> I thought it was confident. Yes. I thought it was appropriate. Yep. Now, you talk about ooh-wee, it just sounds to me like childish, feminine, ooh, and cocky. Yep. Okay. And mostly cocky. Yes. Because, like I said, you like that was like, they're pumped up. Ooh-wee was like, it was just a joke. And that's what I don't like about it. It just sounds like, you know, someone ripped a Band-Aid off a sheltered child the way he said it. <laughs> it was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I guess at this point, everybody's just going to be always waiting for Kirk Cousins, what he's going to say yeah, next know, out of the liquor. I know he doesn't want my advice, but just pick one. You just, just pick the one catchphrase. catchphrase. Yeah, you get too many. Don't broke yeah. it. Or don't fix it if it ain't Ooh, broken. Oh, don't broke it. Don't broke it. That's patch it don't need a fixing. <laughs> that's... That's Pat's catchphrase. Don't broke it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Pat. I agree with you. Um, you know, Kirk, like I said, Kirk Huns is a weird guy. I think, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I just think it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, bitch. I have, a, I have a little confession here. And not a confession. I guess it was I pre-warned about this. But I have found one of the missing two Brendan Fraser movies. Uh-oh. So we're going to do a Brendan Fraser movie review. About 20 years ago, back in the last century, I went to actor school, actually. That's back when I was allowed to work with animals. When these experiences are always brought into everyone's home. Why do I smell a fish? Well, these are the yum-yum uh, sweats. Uh-huh. She's talking to me. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they think I shaved their butts. I look like a big old steak with legs. Just, <laughs> just when you thought it was dead. Just when you thought it was dead. The woman I love is living with a little monkey that looks like me. Guilty until proven innocent, 1991. Also known as presumed guilty. This is why I had a hard time finding this originally. It one of those things like uh, the movie. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat, the Tom Cruise movie. They changed the name when it was uh, when it got released on DVD. The same thing I think happened with this. But basically, I was trying to find this movie. I couldn't find it anywhere. Then uh, Trevor, our social media guy, he sent me a link where I could find it on Amazon. So here we go. 1991. This is Brendan Fraser's first starring role. Wow. First starring role. So this is directed by Paul Wenkos, and he directed 114 things, which is a lot. Of, none of them I had heard of. But, uh, you know, credit to him for doing a lot. Uh, so this was a made-for-TV movie. Also part of the reason I had a hard time finding it. Starring Martin Sheen. Nice. Yeah. He played Harold Horn and Brendan Fraser, Bobby McLaughlin. So here's what this is about. This was based on a true story. And it is similar to the story of my alter ego, Leon Breslin, who's an ex-con from Appleton, Wisconsin, to who this day thinks he was falsely accused for a crime he never committed. So that's pretty similar to the story of guilty until proven innocent. Uh, B phrase is basically, he's just kind of like a, uh, a kid without hope. You know, he's just like a, he's a young kid and he's adopted and he just is having a hard time finding his way through life. And then apparently there's these guys that are in this park 
and the park is known for drugs and stuff like that. Brendan Fraser has done drugs in the past, you know? So this guy's in this park, and he just randomly shoots, like, two or three people. And for no, it doesn't really explain why. This guy's just kind of crazy. He's in this park. He robs some people, and then he shoots somebody. And then they get the guys get caught, and there was one person that witnessed it, and they said, who did this crime? And the kid says, the guy that actually shot it, and then he also says Brendan Fraser. And the people think Brendan Fraser did this because, you know, because he's kind of not known for being a good kid. And it was just one of those things showing, like, oh, sometimes the police, the way they show evidence... Um, it was kind of like explained, if you've people have seen Making a Murder, there's kind of a lot of ways that they explain, like, there's ways that police can kind of coerce a statement out of somebody. Like, oh, yeah, this was the guy that did it. Like, if they say, you know, if they just show him a list of, you know, if they show a picture and they say, was this the guy? Like, you're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be a list, you know, like a pic- like 20 pictures and one of them being the guy that they think did it and say, which of these people do you think did it? Opposed to, like, just showing one picture and say, was this the guy? What's that called in prison? Um, there's no term for that. No, I have no are you line up. Is that what you're talking about, Pat? Is that what it is? A you tell, when that's when they have a bunch of people lined up yeah. in a group. Is it yeah, the same yeah, yeah. Thing with a picture? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So uh, that's kind of what was going on here. So uh, Brendan Fraser. It's all, whole, all just about the trial of him, like trying his uh, Martin Sheen is playing his dad, his adopted dad, and he's just trying to let Brendan Fraser get innocent. So this movie is very made for TV, but it's not like a horrible movie. It's a watchable movie. So this is going to be Brendan Fraser. And just like that, a star was born. And just like that, a star was born. He started with a mediocre movie that he starred in. But he he was fine in it. I mean, yeah, he played the role. He was like basically somebody who's just, he hated, you know, being in jail. He was getting beat up all the time. He just wanted to get out. He was trying to say he's innocent. He played the role really well. Here's my problem with this. Yeah. What kind of drugs do you do at a park? Um, they were selling uh, the devil's weed there, Pat. The devil's weed. Yeah. Marijuana. <laughs> Is that what they call it? The devil's weed? It's a term for it. Oh. There's a uh, Ali G skit from when uh, Sasha Baron Cohen did the Ali G show where he asked this uh, DEA agent what the different terms were for, like, if there were any other terms than what he was going to say for marijuana. And he goes he goes off a list, a list of, like, you Probably know, 30. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a good, it was, he just kept, keeps going. Yeah. Hash out there. We all know that it's called the bionic, the bomb, the puff, the blow, the black, the herb, the sensi, the chronic, the sweet Mary Jane, the shit, ganja, spliff, reefer, the bad, the Buddha, the homegrown, the ill, the Maui Maui, the method, pot, lethal, turbo, Thai, shake, skunk, stress, wacky, weed, blaze, the boot, dime bag, scooby-doo, bob, bogey, backyard boogie. But what is the other terms for it? That's safe. That's that about covers you. Uh, so, I can say the devil's weed, and that works. Okay. For that purpose, yes. The devil's weed got legalized in a number of states. Number of states through the election. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's so, true. So, in like you know, twenty years when that's not a drug anymore, this movie you're going to be looking back like, what's wrong with that? That's a good point. It's all about the time, right? It's all I about guess the time. So. Yeah. Uh, that's probably like how people felt about prohibition. Like they look back and yeah. like, it's a big deal. <laughs> yep, exactly. So if people can help me out with this last one, uh, I would appreciate that. The only one, Brent Fraser, thing that I've not seen is called My Old School, and it's a TV short also from 1991. The problem is that not, TV movies are a lot, a lot of times not, you know, like distributed other than when they're on TV. A TV short is going to be even less than that. So I don't think... There you might can't not go be to your any local record. library. Yeah, could I get a TV short called My Old School from 1991? 
This is where you missed the blockbuster. Right? Yeah. So so uh, I think I might never see that. But if people can find that, I'd, I'd appreciate that. And let me know. Send the email to chubstep.podcast at gmail.com. So, Pat, we got an iTunes review. Hey! Hey. And actually, I missed it a little bit uh, ago. We've had it for like a month. I didn't look. So uh, this is from uh, Randar108. And it says, not enough toter, but hey, five stars. So okay. we'll take Toterball it. Toter ball player? Yeah, toter ball player. Is he in the calendar? He's not in the calendar. Speaking of which, if people want a toter ball calendar, a uh, toter ball calendar, for those that don't know, is a calendar of me and my friends that play a sport called toter ball, posing in provocative senses. Uh, calendar's out now, starting in November. Yes. So they're actually, you're halfway they're through the first right month. Now. They're hot right now. Hot right now. Got to get them now. Uh, send an email to chubstep.podcast at gmail.com. Com. So how do you wait? How do you get one if you don't listen to a show? Just curious. Um, well, right now I do like I've just been doing local orders, like people I know and stuff like that, sending them out to like your friend, like people that are in the calendar, their families, that kind of stuff, friends, stuff like that. I printed out like thirty of the first batch. You guys gonna do something different this time, or is it just gonna be the firemen? Oh, it's it's different every. We do different pictures every time. It's yeah. different theme. Like it's different. Like uh, I have one in my in the car. I'll show you after this bat. It's pretty. Oh, uh, I can't wait. Yeah, you can't wait. So. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Okay, how about some Tanzania news? All right. The infection causes immediate respiratory failure, and scientists claim that these patients are now transmitting. You know what Fugazi is? Fugazi. Oh, it's a uh, fake. Yeah, Fugazi. Fugazi. It's a wasi. It's a wasi. It's a fairy dust. From Tanzania? Yes, I am. So, are conservation policies a driver of deforestation in Tanzania, Pat? Uh-oh. The answer might shock you. Uh, no, basically the way this is set up, it's basically telling you that the conservation policies are a driver of deforestation in Tanzania. So, uh, this is basically, here, here's what the deal is. These people are upset. These people as in the environmental people, uh, are upset that there's been a lot of deforestation going on in Tanzania, like forests just going down for, they're saying it's mostly for charcoal production. Isn't that from the coal mines? Um, well, charcoal, you know what, Pat? Not according to this. Okay. So. What's it from? Trees? Yeah, from trees. There's a picture of a bunch of trees that are cut down in the top right corner of this, charcoal? Of this article. I don't know how that For charcoal. Sense. Hey, don't ask me. Ask Tanzania. So uh, what, what happens here is that the way they have the government set up to fight deforestation, basically the local, there's a lot of areas that are just kind of unclaimed and people just like, they're still technically owned by the government or some stuff like that. But people are able, like, there's not enough like guard. The people can just go out there and start cutting down stuff without any major repercussion. Oh, wait, the, but like you were saying, the government owns it, don't they? The government owns it, or, or it'll be like it kind of the edge of a border of a town and stuff like that. Okay. And there's not like forest reserves and same t- like same type of thing in Tanzania. That's that's more of a, uh, you know, that, that's more of a first world when you start worrying about the environment and stuff like that. A lot of times early in, you know, if you look at uh, America in the Industrial Revolution, I don't think it was the greenest environment going on. Probably not. Probably not. And so as you start to grow and then you start having like actual growth and stuff like that, that's when you can start worrying about these environmental things. And I think Tanzania is getting at that point now. I think they're growing 
It's their best economic growth in a decade, you know, like ever in the past decade. Getting rid of the trees. Getting rid of the trees now. So now by the time, now they're all good, now that all the trees are gone. (laughs) Nobody's got any fresh air. Everybody's upset, (laughs) Pat. So, you know, that's the problem with, uh, with when you're trying to grow a lot, you've got these people that just, oh, you got this great charcoal production business, right? But here's the problem. They're cutting down all your trees. That is a problem. Yeah. Trees serve more than one purpose. <clears throat> They're houses for birds. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You can paper. build houses. Paper. Tree houses. Charcoal. Charcoal. Um, syrup. Syrup. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of maple trees that that produce in syrup in Tanzania. Yeah. yeah. So uh, scenery, <clears throat> scenery, the environment, the environment. Uh, uh, yeah, you said tree houses, right? I did. Uh, tree swings. There you go. Yep. Uh, raking leaves. Um, love stories carved in the trees. <laughs> have you ever you ever carved something into a location? Like, have you ever uh, like? No. There's different places where I never even did the whole cement thing. Ooh, not even the little hand in the cement? No. What about your face? <laughs> no. That would uh, be cool, though. Yeah. Well, you do... So there's a risk when you do well, the stuff I would the imagine cement. so. Well, I mean, a risk as far as if you do it too crazy, then they're just going to cover it back up with cement. Mm-hmm. Like, if you... To the point where somebody's going to, like... If you had a whole face and print... Someone's going to roll their ankle. They're going to roll their ankle in there. And I know a lot about rolled ankles, and you do not want to roll an ankle. Bird up! That's that. You know what's weird? There's a cement block in my backyard that yeah. has people's initials on it. I don't know who they are. Yeah. They lived in the house before us. Oh, wow. That's scary. Yeah. Maybe they're, those are their uh, gravestones. I hope Did you not. ever think about that? No. Or what if it's, uh, I know, like, we've buried some of our pets in our backyard with little concrete things. Little concrete, you know. So what do you do when you move? Um, they stay there. Uh, the, the animals stay there. They don't want to move with us. No. Their, their carcasses uh, can stay in the ground. They're poor a little. They're probably, you know, at this point, they're probably gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, our, our live animals, they will continue with us uh, if we move. That's good. So that's, yeah, good news there. But other than that, yeah, we'll just section off a little. <laughs> we'll uh, caution tape around the grave area where we built in. We'll just say, don't uh, bury anything here. Otherwise, like the poltergeist effect happens. You ever seen the movie Poltergeist? Of course. Yeah. People building stuff on ancient burial grounds. So we wouldn't want that, uh, you know, maybe somebody extends our gazebo out to our, uh, where the animals are buried. And then it's like, don't make a pool right yeah. here. And then you just constantly hear like dogs barking while you're asleep, in, asleep <laughs> at night, even though there hasn't been a dog there in 15 years. So just a little warning, fair warning to everybody out there. Uh, Tanzania, uh, figure it out guys. Legislation, put that legislation on the board. U.S. started doing it. Um, you know, FDR was a big guy with, uh, the national parks and stuff like that. Get it going, you know? Everybody loves a national park. Just be like FDR, man. Just be like FDR. I don't think that's too much to ask. Typical jazz. Typical jazz. So we got two people calling in in a little bit here. First, we're going to have Carlos Villalobos Jr. calling in. And then we'll be joined by Justin B795, and he will give us a cheese review. Yeah. So we will get to that. Hi, this is Billy Bob Thornton. Welcome to my official website. And as Sage says, what's up? So, Carlos, what are you, what are you working on right now in the studio? Uh, I am actually doing a bunch of uh, rock uh, tracks. They're, they're, and some are hybrids, like rock, EDM, hip-hop tracks for Fox Sports. 
Cool. Because it's sports season. Yeah. It is sports season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Big, no, big do, you, do you feel like music in general is kind of going the, like, everything kind of has to have a blend of EDM in it, some sort of electronic That's component? It seems like, yeah. I've been getting that request a lot, so I'm starting to feel that way. It's funny because they originally um, hit me up because they wanted um, rock tracks. That's what they said. We need rock tracks, like heavy, you know, metal, rock that kind of stuff for a bunch of our sports stuff, you know, for like uh, World Series, all that stuff, right? All the games, yeah. all the force, uh, Fox sports stuff. Mm -hmm. So the definition of rock stuff used to be, you know, drums, bass, guitars, and all that stuff. But as, as you go through this stuff, it's funny because a lot of these guys are like sending emails like, oh, what I meant by rock stuff is, can you blend it with like hip hop or EDM? EDM <laughs> yeah. seems to always pop up, you know? Yes. Because I guess... It's just probably more exciting to to have EDM blowing up on TV. I don't know, but um, I, I, I have noticed that it's becoming not becoming. I mean, it has been popular for a while, but it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, no, it's totally. And but it seems weird. I feel like the sports, what you're trying to get with people in sports, is going to be a little older demographic that probably wouldn't be listening to EDM as much. You know, that's exactly how I felt about it. But hey, I, I, I get what they're what they're trying to do. Um, and, um, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I mean, they, you know, you, you give so many songs to these guys. I mean, they get like 50 to a hundred songs you know, at a batch, a batch yeah. of time at a time. I mean, and so it's always a blend. So I tend to do like 10 EDM rock, 10 hip hop, you know, mm -hmm. rock, uh, 10 traditional rock, 10 metal stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, they're always, uh, they're, they're always asking for EDM. Yeah. All the time. Even 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 for trailer music. Like or, all the orchestral stuff and shit that you hear in the theaters. Yeah. They, you know, it's like, oh, we, we want classical. We want epic trailer stuff. Yeah. Can you throw in a little wobble like uh, some dubstep? <laughs> or, you know, so they, they want to have all these yeah. elements. Some dubstep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. think they know what they're talking about. They just, they just ask for it. Yeah. It seems to be a requirement. <laughs> just like the uh -oh. buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Carlos, before we go too far, why don't you tell uh, people a little bit about yourself? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, I write and produce music for TV and film. Uh, I've done a bunch of shows since 2000 when I started. Um, uh, I'm one of the music producers on Empire. Um, and uh, I'm kind of all over the place this year. Uh, between producing different bands, uh, writing music for TV film, some trailers, some independent movies, uh, the, the TV show, actually two TV shows. And so it's, it's yeah, it's I'm kind of uh, one of these guys who wears all these different hats and does uh, a lot of different projects. Awesome. So, and then also, uh, I have an email here, specifically something you didn't mention. But uh, I told our mutual uh, mutual acquaintance Mike James that you were going to be calling in, so he sent an email. Uh. He sent an email to the show here, and he said, "Hey, Carlos Villalobos Jr., I'm a huge fan of <clears throat> La Esperanza," and he said, "I sometimes listen to it at my place of business." Uh, he said, "I'm looking to get into flamenco myself, but I need a dope name. I was thinking Flamenco Jones." But please give me something better oh, to work with. That's a good one. 
I think he already <laughs> that's a good one Flamenco Jones I like that yeah so uh, uh so you didn't mention La Esperanza Carlos tell us a little bit about that uh that was uh like a flamenco project that it was like a side project that i did um in 98 um and it was just something that i had put on a shelf until one day uh my attorney at the time had been passing it around and i wound up getting signed and um the first album did really well i got grammy nominated the second album did uh pretty pretty good too but that was right around 9 11 after that, I kind of stopped doing that because I was I was working with more rock bands and doing more music for TV and film. But that was kind of like a flamenco, more um, not traditional flamenco. It was more, um, I guess, what you call nouveau flamenco. So it had elements of, um, it had like global grooves and like you know hip hop beats and things like that with flamenco uh, intermixed in it. And then uh, and recently, actually, I've kind of been doing. Um, a new Esperanza album, which was sort of like quiet for a while, but what the heck, I, I should be done with it really soon. I'm going to release it soon. Um, it's basically all Led Zeppelin covers um, with their like exact tempos and feel, which was kind of hard to do because you have to kind of match everything, you know? Yeah. And uh, all the flamenco guitar parts are basically Robert Plant vocal licks, which again are really hard to do. Yeah. So it, it took the time but yeah I'm, I'm i'm doing that and planning on releasing that uh, in january that'd be awesome um yeah no i've heard that and then i've also heard your uh, your flamenco christmas music yeah that's right I, thanks for reminding me about all this <laughs> stuff i forget it's <laughs> yes there is a flamenco christmas album on my website and where can people go Which to is... your website yes which uh, is alistarrecords.com, or you can go to alistarmusic.com, or you can go to carlosvillobos.com. It all goes to the same place. But not um, Carlos Villalobos Jr. Yeah. No, no. Uh, esperanzamusic.com is probably the easiest to remember for anyone who wants yes. to uh, listen to the Esperanza stuff. Cool. Um, so, mm-hmm. Carlos... I just I notice a lot of things. Uh, you're very vocal about kind of where the music industry is going and how artists get paid. So I kind of want to hear right. some more like detailed thoughts on that as far as where it's going, kind of like you know the whole process of that. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of it's sort of like the wild west in the music business right now because no one's really sure exactly where it's going. Um, there, there. Okay. It's, it, this is definitely a time where you have to do a lot of different things. You can't just be um, a guy who does music for film or a guy who does, you know, or puts records out or is a singer songwriter. You got to combine it with all different forms of like income. So it's about kind of like spreading yourself out there and, and doing, you know, putting out your albums, going out and playing live, uh, hopefully licensing some music, maybe working on music libraries and things like that. So you've got to sort of have a whole bunch of different sources of income. If you don't have that, um, it's really hard to make a living. Um, and right now we're sort of in a, in a weird place in the U S particularly because of the copyright laws, um, that are in effect right now, the changes that are in effect, um, the streaming royalty payments are very low. They lowered those with Spotify. They're lowered now. So uh, if you're not a big name or you didn't do a back-end deal, uh, Spotify Premium, not regular, 
that Spotify premium that you pay for uh, pays the artist uh, 0.00017 cent per stream, um, which a lot of people have said, is that even money? Um, yeah. But money truck, um, that's kind of where we're at right here in the U.S. It's, you know, the, the streaming rates fluctuate uh, from country to country because the laws are different. So as far as the music business in the United States, um, we have a lot of obstacles, obviously, that mm-hmm. we have to deal with. Um, streaming is not going to go away. Uh, downloading is probably going to go away. Um, so you have these streaming rates, which, uh, you know, you, you can't really make a living from. So people start going towards music licensing where you can get sync, uh, sync monies. Um, you get your full writers. Hopefully you get a, a piece of the publishing, depending on your leverage. Um, but there's all these, uh, different uh what we like to call ancillary income so there's all these different uh uh, avenues for someone to take and unfortunately you have to do more than one thing to really make a living at it unless you know you got the money to back yourself or you have investors to go out and do your own thing and create your own company or have your own band that goes on tour and, and makes money but record deals are completely different publishing deals are completely different and uh it's just becoming harder and harder to, to make, uh, make a living, a decent living, uh, from just one thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, what, what is the solution to that? Well, the problem is, is there's no real solution yet because we have these laws that are in place that we really can't do anything about. I mean, you, you have these comp. Okay. Let me put it this way. No matter what, we still have a middleman here. Now, everyone says, oh, you know, the online thing is great and you don't need a record company anymore. And, and that's true, you know, but you still got to get the money to start your stuff from somewhere. Um, yes, it's more affordable. Yes, there's technology, but equipment costs money. Um, and the record companies used to pay for that. So, okay, now you got to pay for that. Um, record companies have always kind of screwed you and you know that's that's not a secret um and it's it's still sort of that way so like the solution is to have some fair copyright laws that actually favor the creator right now they favor these corporations and the companies who use your material and so as a creator you're getting the shaft okay they're saying well we're paying you from advertising we're paying you from this from that no matter how you look at it, there's still a middleman, just like the record company in the old days. Now you have TuneCore, CD Baby, you know, uh, different you know companies that are out there putting. Uh, you still have to pay them to put out your your music to get on iTunes. You still have to pay these people. Some of them, you know, well, all of them, you have to pay a yearly fee, but some of them are a lot. You know, fifty dollars mm-hmm. per album, and you got ten albums out there. That's five hundred bucks a year on those albums. Are you making that kind of money from your streaming? to cover those albums. So basically, um, you know, being in the black is really, really hard. And um, really it just comes down to the solution is going to have to be, you know, us trying to get fair deals because, you know, how, how are you supposed to, to fight government on this one when they keep setting the rates uh, mm-hmm. lower and they, they're basically making the rules. I mean, if you think about it with streaming, Streaming companies are not in this game to make money. You know, everyone says, well, they're losing money, and that's because music's not worth anything. Well, that's not true. 
Streaming companies are in this for market share. They're in it to get everybody on board to get users so that those users will then, uh, you know, become, uh, uh, well, actually the users, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Uh, I got an email. Uh, <laughs> the users will, will, um, uh, you know, create value to their company because then they'll go out, you know, get an IPO and like, what was it, $8 billion for Spotify when they went public. And, uh, unfortunately us, the creators, we don't get a cut of that, but, the creators who are signed to record companies, they're the ones who create the value in the record company's publishing catalog. The streaming company gives these hundreds of millions of dollars advances to the record companies to use the music that's in their catalog. And those record companies also get a percentage of interest in that company. So the record company doesn't pay us any kind of, you know, hey, thanks for being part of our team. Here's some money for your stuff that we're using. You don't get any of that. They keep all the money. And then when they go public and they get $8 billion, the record company gets massive profits, but they don't have to give it to you, which is why this year there have been uh, you know, records being set, they're saying, in the industry with uh, um, you know, records amount of money being made in the business. I forgot 2016 was one of the best years, and I cannot remember the exact number, but they said it's it was the largest amount of money in over a decade that was made in the music industry. But that's because if you're paying somebody less than a penny per stream and you own their music and you got hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. from some company, and then that company went public and got billions and billions of dollars and gave it to you, yeah, you're going to have a profit. You got a great profit. So really the, the solution is fairness. That will never happen though. I just don't see it happening because they don't care. You know, there's, there are plenty of people out there right now, and it's kind of unfortunate because, like, in the last 10 years, I've noticed this decline. I've been doing this, what, 15, 16, almost 17 years, and, and I've noticed in the last 10 years, um, people are giving their stuff away. And, you know, I think really the solution is people need to know their value. If you have something that you created, it's worth something. I mean, mm -hmm. at least 99 cents. Right. Because, I mean, it took you time to make it. It cost you money. You, you may not have an overhead like a store, but you got to pay your electric bills. You got to pay off your, you know, equipment loans if you have any uh, computer loan. Macs aren't cheap um, and neither are plugins and software. So when you when you have you still have a cost, there's a cost for you to do business. So if, if you're out there making if you were out there making a car, right building a car and then you went out and said, I love this car. It's fucking awesome. I'm going to give it to somebody. And the car's uh, company said, Hey, we love your car. Uh, but you know what? A lot of people have cars like that. And uh, the only way you're really going to make a dent is if you put it out there for free. Would you do that? Mm, probably not. So you, you have this, this issue right now where people are undervaluing themselves because they're being told their stuff isn't worth anything. And, uh, it's that that's probably the biggest sham is to be out there thinking that, you know, well, I got to give my stuff away. I got an email mm -hmm. today, actually, of some kid, you know, who's out of school. He's he spent a lot of money on his studio and um, he asked me if I had any kind of music that, you know, he could mix just to test it out, you know, for free. I'm like, dude, you just bought twenty thousand dollar speakers and you're asking me to give you music that you can mix and you'll do it for free for me just, you know, so I can hear what you can do. 
that's not really adding value to what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, you got you got to it's a business and you have to think that way. Yeah. So uh, if if people were to start putting, you know, understanding that they're worth something and that what they're creating is worth something, um, whether it's really good or not, isn't, you know, that's not the, the, the dealio here. What, what's important is you put work into something. If it's really bad, I mean, hopefully you know it. And if you're delusional, people will let you know by not buying it. Okay. But if you're really good, somebody's going to say, hey, you know, I'll pay for that. But the problem is, is we live in this, you know, new, new music business where everybody's giving their stuff away. So that's going to add to the whole mess, too. So the, the key, I think, is to to know your value, do the best work you can, and also try and find the avenues where you will get paid. Because there are avenues where you will get paid, where there's still some value, but it's hard to find those people. Um, it seems like you got a pretty uh, bright outlook on the future of the music industry. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I really... No, uh, actually, though, <laughs> no, I, I, I will say that I, I, I think is, I think once people understand what's really going yes. on, and I'm not talking about the general public, but the, the, the industry itself, once they see what's going on, what's really going seriously, just, just kind of look at the laws and the way they are mm-hmm. structured right now. We need to change that. We need to, to get into um, a system that's a lot more fair. You know, I think it's the United States, Iraq, and Burma are the three countries in the entire world that have the worst laws for creators, especially in the music business, and the lowest pay rates. So uh, if, if you're listening in Europe, you guys are sweet, man. You guys are all set. You're doing all right right now. Uh, streaming is paying well over there for the most part. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of music and you get a lot of government support and, and, you know, you get a lot of help out there. Art is still considered culture over there. It's undervalued here. And really yeah. the solution is to bring back the value. If you can bring back the value to yeah. what you do. I mean, look, let's, 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 for example, real quick, take, take a, a film and then take the music out of it and watch the film without any music in it. Yeah. It's, it's got a whole different feel. Yeah. Now, now take the music yeah. that's, you know, suspenseful and put some kind of like, you know, corny carnival music in it and it's got a whole different feel. So mm-hmm. there is value to music because it does pretty much glue things together, whether it's films or, you know, videos or just background stuff or whatever. Yeah. Even in like an empire, yeah. everything in there has to be placed a certain way to create that value you take out the music and it's like kind of a boring scene or it might last too long or you don't know you're supposed to be you know getting suspenseful it sets moods so just know the value of what you have and uh do the best work you can and and you know once people start to say well i'm not just going to give my stuff away for free it's very possible that you know laws might change a little bit and record companies will say well wait a minute you know these guys aren't giving us the stuff for free anymore and we're going to have to pay for it. Otherwise our catalog is now going to be old music, you know, that isn't worth anything. Why do you think all the legacy bands, all the old timers are doing great because they still believe they have value and they do. So they, they won't budge. Yeah. You know, and they continue and then that's why they brought them back. Yep. Well, I'm, not to mention that they have different rates and everything from back in the day. Yes. That's that's a whole different topic. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty. I, I just think a lot of people just don't even think about it. I think that's. Uh, I, I think like what you're doing. Well, that's and the thing. Kind, yeah, yeah. 
just spreading right. the awareness so you, of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think it's the awareness. Now I, I understand, look, I understand like, you know, we live in a whole different time now. Uh, Technology is taken over and, and a lot of things are free. And, you know, you have like YouTube doesn't pay anything, man. It's like miserable amounts of money for, for millions and millions mm-hmm. of views. Yet we're always being told, you know, put your stuff on YouTube. You know, get the exposure. Everything's about getting exposure for free. Yeah. But we definitely live in a different time where, you know, you would think you should be aware of this. You should, You would think that it's kind of like important. But the truth of the matter is most people don't care. They don't have time, you know. Yeah. But yeah. as an artist, if you if you want to, you know, you, you have to think like an entrepreneur today. You can't just be this musician guy who's really good and got a record deal. Yeah. Because yeah. that doesn't happen anymore, you know. And yeah. even then, it was still luck, you know. Mm-hmm. What, they, what they were telling me, like back in the day, they used to uh, uh, get signed. These guys would get signed, and they had like like a three strikeout rule, basically, right? So you had you were able to put three albums out, um, and if they, you know, if the first one didn't do okay, you still were going to do a second one. If the second one didn't do great, you had a third one. The third one did great, you you know, or at least you started making the money. You could make a fourth and a fifth and a but that doesn't happen anymore now it's if your first single you know bombs you're done yeah so that's crazy. It's, uh, yeah. yeah yeah it's totally totally different it's harder yeah yeah it's, it's, it just seems like a lot a lot more difficult and especially it's got to just be a lot more flooded of just an industry in general with people having more available mics and stuff like stuff like you can you yeah. can record music a lot easier on your own opposed to 20 years ago, exactly. 30 years ago. So now you're just flooding the market with True. this kind of stuff. And like you're True. saying, anybody... Even, even yeah. in like... Go on. No, no, that's... I mean, and just you're talking about the exposure and people are going to be giving all this away because, you know, they're small and this kind of thing. And Yeah, because yeah. a, a lot of deals now are, you know, there's there are no more advances. It's like, you know, all back-end money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you can come do music for this specific library or for these TV shows, but you're writing demos for free and you're spending all your time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you got to be a super rich kid to like, you know, be able to sit there all day mm-hmm. and, and admit all this stuff, you know, or, or, you know, or have great connections. Cause no matter what, it's like the standard, the norm right now is not to pay you for demos yeah. and to get paid on the back end. And if you're going through a PRO, that's a year or two years before you see royalties. So, you, you want to have some money up front so that you can survive that month. Yeah. So it's really, uh, it, it comes down to what you were saying too. You know, it's a very flooded industry. Everybody wants to do it. Um, but you can see that music starts to sound the same now because everybody's using the same programs and the same plugins and the same mm-hmm. synths and keep and stuff like that. So, yep. and you hear the same drum loops, you know, yes. going yep. from one song to the next song. So creativity starts to like get stifled and, and like real creators aren't doing it anymore because real creators can't afford to do it. Yep. It's too hard. Yep. It like, takes too much time to sit there and create, you know, something. It's it, Yeah, it's easier to do it now. You can do everything by yourself, but it, that takes a lot of time, you know? So, yep. um, Again, it just, it depends, like, what do you kind of, do you even think about, like, the music that you stream or listen to or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't even think, like, people really think about that. Yeah, what about you? Like, 
what are your are you think do you think a lot about that do you just play it and just kind of mindlessly listen to it and or do you think about kind of what goes into it and kind of the no i never really thought about what goes into it no i'm talking asking pat here yeah i didn't know i didn't know it was that low of a rate to stream too that's out of this world low yeah it's pretty sick isn't it but i still i still buy the albums um i just got into vinyl recently uh, but I've always been an album guy, always buying the CDs, because I feel like the albums really tell a different story than just a single, usually. It's true, yeah. I, I agree. Because it's a theme. It's it's like an entire... Uh, it's a story, like you said. You know, usually most albums have a theme, and, and there's a story behind the, the whole concept deal, but, albums. But, I, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. See, that, that's what I'm saying, is like there's, there, there used to be this value to it, but it is kind of like when it's when it's uh, intangible, okay? First of all, we're dealing with intellectual property, so it's already not a tangible medium. And then you've got everybody listening to it on their phones, you know, or computers and whatnot. It's, it's not a physical thing anymore. So you don't have that whole, like, grabbing a CD and looking at a liners uh, or, or an album, you know, and checking out vinyl. Although vinyl has made you know, a pretty good comeback. And I heard this year, like, cassettes have actually made oh, a comeback. Which is... <laughs> yeah. So, so there, 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 there are these, you know, audiophiles out there that, uh, that, that really dig it. But I don't think there's just enough of them, really. I mean, the mainstream, mar- the mainstream market, you know, the, the commercial music that we hear on the radio these days you know I, I i heard somewhere and you actually you might have even seen it i had i posted it on my facebook there was an article about it it costs four million dollars to break a single today wow who's got four million yeah, bucks no. to break <laughs> yeah, their single on the rig exactly yeah no that's and, and i don't think as many people realize i feel like the average just consumer doesn't realize that you have to basically pay to get your music on the radio well, that yeah, and and there was an article I posted recently too on on, uh, on my Facebook about um, that 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 whole payola thing is what they used to call it in the '60s and '70s, where you know you paid these DJs to put your stuff on the radio, and uh, it it existed pretty much all the time. And they said, well, that's gone. Well, there's proof that there's there's payola with streaming, and it's ten thousand dollars to get your stuff on a really hot playlist. For streaming between two and ten thousand dollars so you're still paying for your single to get out there yeah you know but someone's gonna come up and say hey well two to ten grand's cheaper than four million yep yep but, so yeah there are people out there who can do that i know a band um that paid a million dollars to open up for you know for a huge band on tour yeah. and they made nothing that's crazy yet they paid a million dollars to open up for this band. So there are people who have the capability of doing that if yep. they want. Um, and that's that makes it harder for, you know, it's, it's very, very competitive. It's, it's, it's just super competitive, man. It's really hard. And it's really hard to stay like level headed the longer you're in the business because mm-hmm. it just becomes harder and harder to, um, to play fair, I guess, you know, yep. you, you want to, uh, keep positive and stay positive about it but there's so much negativity in the industry um and and people are just getting ripped off left and right it's really hard you you know to say i have people that email me all the time with these like questions especially on facebook when i post an article or whatever like you know dude i'm struggling and i'm fucking pissed and i don't know what to do it's like it's not your fault man 
it's just the way it is. It's mm-hmm. you're, it, you know, you're, you're worse than a needle in a haystack now. It's it's just hard to get that that exposure. Yeah. So, you know, unless you've got family in the business or you're, you know, super lucky, man, or you're, you're, you know, an entrepreneur, which you have to be and you're smart and you take, you got to learn to say no and you can't just, you know, do things for free. Mm -hmm. You have to create, create your value. Even if it's an image, you got to let people know that you know that you're worth something and you will get paid, you know, but you cannot rely on one, you know, uh, stream of income. Yeah. Because that's just going to kill you. You'll be working forever to, you know, make a, a couple bucks on this one thing, and and it won't happen. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's about you know diversifying and and doing a lot more because that's that's the way it is now. Yeah. And again, you know, back to your original question, the solution. The solution is for artists to to know their value. You know, yeah. if you're really good, people people will, you know, they'll. They'll let you know if you suck or not. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And just keep, keep, yeah, keep getting better and better, and then you know, go out and play live. You know, yeah. I, I know that's like a horrible thing to say because you don't get paid a lot live, but no matter what, you got to pay your dues. That's just life in general. Mm-hmm. And the sooner you do it, the better you you know you'll become, and just get out there and hustle and and try and do it. But but be smart about it, man. Read about it. Educate yourself about the whole industry. That's what it's about. It changes so rapidly in this country, too, because we have, you know, plenty of lobbyists trying to make sure creators don't get anything. So y- you have to be aware of what's around the corner. Cool. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good word of warning. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, it, who knows? Next year it might be, might be good. This business might actually be good because they're talking about making some changes. But, you know, again, you can't just hope. You just got to fight for it and uh, just be aware of what's happening around you. And if there's anything you can do to change it, you know, participate, you know, get active and and make things happen. Yeah. And like I said before, just go, go out there and suck until you're good at it. I think that's yeah, I think that's uh, that's, that's some good, good stuff, Carlos. I think it's some good stuff. Um, I want to ask uh, one final question if you have time for it. Um, it won't be as in-depth of a question. Yeah. Uh, I So with all the like music acts and different styles that are going on now, what do you think will kind of withstand the test of time? And what will we look back on in 20 years and be like, oh, yeah, that was so, you know, 2015, 2016 music. <laughs> like, what were, like, oh, that was horrible. But that was like, that's what was played on oh, the radio. So you're talking about like, I, so you're talking about like what genre? Do I yeah, genre like, or just like, maybe uh, or, or what artist I guess maybe what genre is not going to stick around and what artist do you think will withstand the test of time like what what will be like 20 like still look back and like oh that was a good song or that was a good you know oh they oh, were always good god I, you know fuck I don't know because all right so I mean I think I think Adele will definitely be remembered she's just such a great singer um whether or not I, th- I think dubstep and EDM will probably become uh, probably the least. It's you know what I think dubstep will be like the old eighty stuff, yeah. and it's going to disappear for a while, and then it'll just pop up again in another thirty years or mm-hmm. something like that. Because <laughs> yeah. all these styles they don't really die; they just yeah. kind of go away for a while, and then they sort of regroup and come back as mm-hmm. sort of the same sound and just in, in a sort of a new form. Yeah. Um, 
and you have to remember too that like in the last 30 years we didn't have like a major shift in technology like well not in the last 30 years but 30 years prior to let's say 10 years ago when computers started doing all the music yeah nothing really changed you know because it was all tape machines and it was all hardware based so you had to rely on the musician to make the music you had to know your instrument okay Mm -hmm. then in 2000 till now technology's gotten so good that you don't have to be a musician to be a musician because djs are the shit now they're the ones getting paid the most they get paid to play other people's music okay so what's going to happen in the future i predict will be more djs more people who are you know because corporations are going to run these record companies they're going to wind up signing acts that can go out on tour with a thumb drive instead of an entire you know musical rig that you know costs money to transport and that's probably going to be like what's really going to be popular and and keep happening so electronic music will become you know more popular it'll become more electronic but i also feel that people are starting to get sick of it now and in 10 years they may want to go back to real musicians mm-hmm. and real music and and hearing something, you know. I mean, there's a big difference between somebody who's playing a piano and somebody who's playing a piano loop. I yeah. mean, you can, yeah. you can feel the difference. Yeah. So uh, my prediction is that all styles will at some point sort of merge back into, you know, real musicians playing it. Um, I think that's why we lost value in the first place was because it went from being something that you had to have a skill to make. Okay. And then you had machines make it. So you took the soul and the life out of what you create. I, I think that's, it's all, that's very interesting. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's a very good point. And, and I could totally see that just the way, just from a cost perspective, uh, EDM being just continuing to grow, just, like you said, it's just so much cheaper to transport that than have a whole band with all so much gear. I mean, well, the dance stuff's not go away. That's yeah. you know, kids want to party, they want to go out, and you're gonna hear that no matter where you go. Yeah. Club music has always been around, and it'll always be around. Mm-hmm. But you know, for musicians, where where is it going? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But my prediction would be that they probably want more. You know, yeah. people who who know how to use their machines properly and and go out on the road cheaper. Yep. Yep. So uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, ska music back in five years, according to the cycle. Uh, but uh, Carlos, uh, we really appreciate you calling in. Uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah, dude. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank, thanks, man. Thank yeah, you. thanks a lot. And you can check out Carlos at AlistarRecords.com. Is that correct? Alistar Music. Yeah, or... Alistar Music, A-L-I-S-T-A-R. Perfect. All right, we will all check them out there, and I will have the link on the post for the podcast. So thank you a lot, Carlos. Very cool, man. Yeah, buddy, it was great catching up with you guys. Yep. All right, talk to you later. Rag them, rack, rag them, rack, rack ball. We got, we got on the line, Justin Benbender. <laughs> Introduction. Justin B, 795 here. So, Justin, uh... You had been on the show before when me and Pat were in Marquette. Yes. Yeah. So you'd been on there and tell us about uh, how horrible that was. Um, if I'm being honest, it was probably one of the worst experiences 
um, in my professional career. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, there were no, you didn't have, first of all, there were no snacks, no cheese actually. Yes. So, <laughs> so speaking to cheese, we did talk about cheese. I remember for a long time in this show, speaking to cheese, what, uh, you were thinking about doing a cheese review on the show. Uh, yes, I was. So can I do, can I actually, is, is it okay to do a plug or is that? Oh, no, it's totally okay to do a plug. Yeah. They're free for things. now. Okay. Yeah. Free for so, now. Uh, my favorite thing as of right now, cheese wise are the block shadow creamery squeak cheese curds, which are made here in Milwaukee. That's where I'm at in case nobody knew that. Um, and they are a white cheddar cheese curd and they come in different flavors, but I just like the plain ones. I think the most. Okay. So that's, that's your personal cheese curd recommendation in the Milwaukee area. Do they just sell them in Milwaukee or can, can people not? Just no, name Milwaukee? Um, I don't know if you can get them out of state or not, but I've, I've seen them before at the, um, cheese castle, the Mars cheese castle. Yeah. That's classic. That's classic. There. Yeah. Everything is there. If you want cheese, that's the place to go. Right. Exactly. Do you think it's a little overrated? I, yes, actually it's very overrated. It, they have a restaurant there, and the restaurant serves like meats and stuff, which isn't cheese. No, it's no, it's not. That's a true. If you're gonna see a cheese castle, everything's got to be cheese. It's like all soup. Yeah. The castle itself is not, not even made of cheese. It's just like a regular brick castle. That's that's kind of bullshit. Exactly. So, so uh, you're not going to be reviewing these cheese curds, correct? Um, I mean, do you, yeah, I guess I can review them. No, no, what? Give them like uh, one to ten out of curd. Like, I'll give them, I'll give them a nine out of ten. Okay. Curds. Okay. Yeah, we can accept that. Was there was there any sort of other cheeses you were going to plug on the show? I'm not as prepared as I hoped I would be. I had a uh, cheese the other day that was a cheddar, but it was a washed cheddar, which had the same characteristics as a blue cheese in it. So it was a, a penicillin washed cheddar cheese. So it had blue rind and blue veins in it. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. So, um, But I don't have the label in front of me, so but, it's making it difficult at the moment. So explain to me, Justin, what the aged cheese thing, like, I know I remember in the past you've talked about you've had super old cheese before. How, yes. how, like at what point is it bad versus just aged? Like how do they keep that? Do you know how they do the difference with that? I think as long as it's not cut, um, like as long as there's still a rind on the cheese, oh. it's good theoretically indefinitely. I don't think it actually goes bad. Okay. Because I had a cottage cheese that was in my fridge that still had the rind. It still had the plastic wrap on the top. And I went in there, and it was it was horrible when I ate it. Right. That's, yeah, not the exact same kind of thing. Not really cheese, actually. <laughs> wow. Breaking news. You hear it first. Cottage cheese, not real cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, that is that hurts my feelings. I prefer the large curd, but I guess we'll uh, we'll move on from that. So, so, so what they, sort of cheeses are you privy to? I mean, do you like your fresh cheese? Fresh cheeses, I guess that would be that would be like a cottage cheese. Yep. 
versus like our blue or semi-hards or hards, which are the HGs that we were talking about. So my favorite, I know, Pat, I don't know what your favorite is, but my favorite is just like a uh, like a super fresh mozzarella. Shocking. Okay. You like the fresh pieces, yes. Yeah. Um, what about you, Pat? I can appreciate that. I'd say Pepper Jack or Munster. Yeah, Pat's, Pat's a, yeah. I do Pepper like Jack or Munster. That is good in the salads, though. Ooh. <clears throat> Pat, did you know Pepper Jack was actually invented in Wisconsin? I did not know that. Breaking. You hear it first. Pepper <laughs> <laughs> Jack invented in Wisconsin. Um, so what do you, what do you prefer there? Like, so if you had a choice of, uh, of your cheese. Me? I'm not picky at all. I like all of the cheeses I've had. So actually we got lucky enough to, um, the, there was a cheese from Wisconsin that won the international, uh, cheese competition this year. And it was, I believe it was a Swiss cave age sheep's milk cheese. And we were actually lucky enough to try it. Um, and that was pretty good. It kind of had similar characteristics as like ear aged cheddars, like a white cheddar. But yeah, I don't believe that for a second. I made it up. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. And Justin, you're doing a uh, you're doing a radio show in Milwaukee. I do. Yeah, I have a weekly radio show um, at the WMSC radio station, ninety one point seven FM, on your radio dial Thursday mornings, three to six a.m. Through six a.m. Prime time, yeah. As, as, as yeah, me and Pat used to have like the, that. As you remember, uh, yeah, we used to have the that sim- similar, not that extreme, but similar. Uh, we got screwed. Uh, radio show Marquette, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And and when a college radio station gives you that time slot, like you're in a real radio station, when a college radio station gives you that time slot, it's not uh, no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I it's uh, it makes for long Thursdays at work. I will say that. Yes, yes. And can people listen online? Yeah, you can go to wmsc.org. Um, go to the schedule and archives, and you can stream shows from any time slot going back years. I it might be it might even be like ten years. I'm pretty sure you can get 2005 and before. Okay, because I was looking so, for a 2004 show the other day, and I could. Early, yeah, I cannot find this 04. Uh, it was September of 04 show that I was looking for, like about two weeks ago, and I could not find it. Okay, well, that one wasn't on there. I'm pretty sure we took that one down. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, <laughs> uh, any other cheese things you want to plug or uh, you want to talk about here, Justin? Any other cheese topics? Um, no, I not really. Like I said, I wasn't as prepared as I know, yeah. so I apologize. For That's all right. The, uh, for the lack of preparedness, but there's that cheddar blue that I talked about, yep. and then if you find yourself lucky enough to come across some of the clock shadow cheese curds, I would definitely yep. recommend picking them up. Yeah, and if you do, uh, tweet us a picture at Chubstep Podcast, and then I'll uh, send that to Justin. Okay. Because he loves I pictures can... of cheeses and bags. That's true. Yeah. I would actually appreciate if everybody sent me pictures of cheeses and bags, but I don't know... I think I have a Twitter. If not, I can sign up and send you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, from the Step podcast, we'll send out either your Twitter or your recently made Twitter. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. And Justin, if you have a Twitter, follow right, us deal. at Chubstep Podcast, along with everybody else in the cheese community. Okay. Will do.
Okay. Thanks for calling in, Justin. We'll have you on in a few weeks, uh, you know, when you uh, maybe review a, a new cheese on the air. Okay. I can try that. Yeah. Something crazy never been All done right, before. Thanks for having me on. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Justin. Yeah, I like me some cheese. Yeah. Everybody likes some cheese. Um, yeah. There's liquid cheese. Ooh. Next time. Teaser. Next time we'll talk about is nacho cheese cheese. Cheese that comes in the bags like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Pat? The best. The best. I would say maybe the worst. (laughs) Hover around takes me where I want to go. Where will it send me? Carlos Villalobos. And we thank him a lot for coming in. Or calling in. Calling in. Yes. And then uh, also thanks to Justin for calling in. And email the show, chupswith.podcast at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes. Share the podcast. Tweet Share. at Trevor. Tweet at Trevor at Chubstep Podcast, and follow Pat Callahan on Instagram. He loves his Instagram, BadP33, and Pat Callahan44, his other account. <laughs> and uh, hey, they're both Pat Callahan accounts. It's never gonna go away. It's never gonna go away. So uh, new episodes every Thursday, and the show's ended. Now you know you got to go. Peace. This is Yasin. So when I move out, I want to get a bunch of neon lights. I've just always liked them. Yeah. Have a live nudes with an arrow for about 50 bucks.